Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo. I'm here with James Heathers from CypherSkin. James, it's happened. One of the big publishers has listened to your 450 proposal. Well, it hasn't completely listened, but it, they've, <laughs> they've taken the hint. Uh, uh, Daniel, I, I love I love <laughs> the idea. I love the idea that you think this has anything to do with <laughs> me at all. This is this is he's being sarcastically generous <laughs> to your listeners. This is his version of shit story. <laughs> See how it seems so sort of nice and straightforward compared to mine, which is usually conflated with abuse. <laughs> Go on then, Daniel. What are you talking about? So this is uh, a, a recent proposal from the publisher Taylor and Francis who has offered a, a, pub, a publishing track for a variety of different biomedical journals. And it's, it's caused a bit of a stir, and it's because it's offered different different speeds of publication. And they're, they're guaranteeing three- to five-week publication, um, but it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you 7000 US dollars, which isn't much compared to the fact that a few of the uh, Nature Springer journals uh, are going to start charging 10000 uh, but in return for paying seven thousand, uh, and t- when when your paper gets published, you get a guarantee of three to five weeks publication, prioritized peer review, and and they they also promise rapid indexing on Google and Google Scholar. Which let's be honest, that means nothing. Mm. Do, do, do you remember when those lunch menus were uh, were, were published in Google Scholar? C fajitas. <laughs> And an El Taco was that that they were getting they were pulling the citations. So look, that doesn't mean anything. But uh, and they offer seven, seven to nine week um, publication track, which is which will cost you three thousand nine hundred, and then your traditional publication track for sixteen weeks. And look, for a lot of research areas, sixteen weeks is very quick. I think for us, that's sort of average. For a lot of mm. journals, but for a lot of people, sixteen yeah, weeks for, is actually quite for, good. For philosophy, that would be astonishingly fast. Yeah. Um, for uh, other areas in the, uh, the the more sort of qualitative areas of the social sciences, that would be that would be uh, quite rapid. Um, it would be normative in in a lot of places, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, it's just what people are used to, so it's what the system supports. So a lot of people were getting very fired up. Uh, obviously, this is this is pay to play, and the first thing I thought was, are they paying their reviewers? How are they going to possibly get reviewers to return their reviews within a three to five week period? And yes, when you read the details on their website, which we'll post a link to, they say in recognition of the time constraints required of them, papers reviews of papers taking three to five the three to five week option are paid an honorarium of 150 US dollars on completion of their review. So they're falling short. And and, and what did I say there? F- for 450. Yeah, cool. So you get a third of a review. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just yeah. stop as soon as you hit that weekend. That, that, that's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, you, hold you hold them ransom. That, you, you start off with that brief little summary and then you, you get into the sort of holistic remarks about the, 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 the paper. <laughs> uh, you give a little bit of context. Uh, you get into the first technical point, and then suddenly Peer, you stop sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is my freemium review service. There you so go. I pay a little bit up front. Yeah, you can you can have the rest of the two thirds when you hand over the fucking cash. <laughs> the the, the four fifty. So yes, there was a lot of talk about this um, about how this will mean that rich labs can get fast papers. But I, I think there's a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about here. 
Um, look, the, the first thing that came to mind is a lot of these things you can already get if you're posting your paper on uh, on on a preprint server, for instance. So one one of the big things they actually talk about on their promotional material is that you can coordinate your publication with conferences, drug launch, drug launches, and more. But I think the fact they're talking about drug launches really says that they're hitting a very specific target audience. And when, I actually looked at this very a bit more carefully, and yeah. this is on their commercial website for Taylor and Francis. So this actually is not targeted towards your run-of-the-mill academic. This is targeted towards pharma companies and other companies, other commercial for-profit companies who they 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 send their stuff in. I know you with 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 what you're doing with your work is sending in publications probably. And so this is meant for, for that kind of audience, not for your typical academic. Um, so yeah, there, 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 there's, there's quite a few things. But when you first saw this, James, what, what are your other than being underpaid? What, what were your initial thoughts with this uh, accelerated publication? Um, it's been tried at least twice before. Um, there's two models. One is uh, give us cash, um, and we'll start the fast process. Uh, the other is give us cash up front, and if we publish it, we will take it off your APC. Yep. Um, which I think, I think, oh, oh, I'm really pushing the boundaries. Is because you look, you have to, you have to understand these things are. This is not a new idea. Um, if you're all upset about this for the first time, um, Biomed Central tried this with a uh, a service, and the one that everyone got angry about some maybe five years ago. Um, the one everyone got angry about was when uh, Nature tried it. Yes. And I think that was, I think it was scientific reports. I'm not sure if yeah, it was like scientific nature, reports. nature. I think um, around 2014-ish. Yeah. Oh, Christ. Okay. Well, well over five years. Never mind me. Um, okay. So, everyone's very familiar with the, I mean, the, the instant objections are, the instant objections are obvious. It's seven grand to publish a paper uh, and get it handled quickly. Um, under what circumstances would you consider that? Well, honestly, considering the amount of money, I think they have their minds on the kind of model that freemium games use a lot of the time, which is that uh, you familiar with the, the differentiation between users and super users, Daniel? What super users like the one percent people who are it's the Pareto principle type thing? Yeah, um, it means it means something different when you're talking about access in a computer system, like a super or a super user is a privilege. To get yeah, okay, okay, I've, okay, also, yep, yep. I've also heard it used in the context of um, uh, in the context of someone it being sort of like there's someone and they're 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 participating in uh, a game or a service or similar and they will pay a small amount in general they're interested they want to be part of the community but they're not really invested past a certain point and then you have uh motherfuckers who will throw money at it because they see it as like a hobby or a necessity or something like that so there's a lot of computer games that rely on the fact that uh, everyone can play the game and it's skill-based, but there are some very expensive elements considering what it is that are in 
the, that are accessible for money. And those are astonishingly expensive. So I have a funny little game that I play on my phone. It's just a silly thing, you know, idle moments, uh, particularly difficult trip to the bathroom, board waiting for the bus. It's a, it's a, it's a, sil- it's a silly thing, right? Um, and the super pack of what's it coin fucking things. I couldn't even tell you what it was called. I didn't pay a great deal of attention it's to it. A, lo- a, like a loot box. Food, I, I just like to footle from time to time. Yeah. Um, the most expensive one of those costs $150. That's wild. Yeah, this is a game I've downloaded for nothing and have poked around at every now and then. And most people, the vast majority of people are like me. But they have run their numbers in this business. And they have determined that rather than charging everyone $5 or charging some people $5 and some people $20 or charging uh, everyone a flat fee uh, up to and including a certain amount of access like it was Slack or something like that, they've determined that the model that's best for them or where you combine both the maximal amount of growth and exposure with the maximal amount of revenue coming in is where you have a user base that's as big as possible because a certain small percentage of that user base will be these people who are either very keen or somewhat obsessed or neurologically impaired, as far as I'm concerned, and will throw huge amounts of money down because they value this particular service thing over uh, everything else. Now, this can either be a pay-to-win strategy where you get things to participate that make it easier for you to play or participate, or it can be purely cosmetic. And you can sell people things simply because they're cool. You're buying them basically for the flex, right? Like, I'm not very good at shootle game McGee, but at least I have a gun with a Hello Kitty on it. Ha, ha, ha. Now, that matters to people because people are stupid and terrible uh, and should be minced. No, hang on. I, I, I've gone slightly too far. Not minced, just beaten. Okay, so <clears throat> let's put that into the perspective of what's going to happen here. So you're trying to sell your company in biotech. You're trying to do a drug trial. You're trying to get a third platform of the fucking Q3 plan out. And you're trying to bash your stuff through. Now, for a company where this has a, like this is eventually going to be a revenue positive activity where you've got to do this, you've got to publish this shit. I've done plenty of situations where people publish the paper right? And the paper in whatever medical or biological context is the basically the triggering event that unlocks the access to other capital. In, a, in an option like this, I, I cannot overemphasize how just paltry $7,000 is. Nothing in that right? context. It's fucking, it's fucking pocket change, right? Now, Let's think of those as kind of the the super users where nothing else matters to them except getting as much access as humanly possible when there's even like there's even spare money to pay reviewers. I mean, it just it sounds fucking heretical in context. But honestly, if it was nature and they charge $20,000, commercial research still wouldn't even blink. It would cost you many times that just to get your ethics done by a commercial organization. You'd spend you'd spend multiples of that on contract research, etc. Right. And this is also probably, I mean, I don't think it's a mistake that this is biological because the amount of money, the amount of dumb money in particular in biotech, especially in the US in the last five to 10 years, is really, really, really substantial. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of bullshit. Um, in many respects, the, the heat 
has gone out of fuck yeah, I have a software company I wish to develop. Um, if there's an example of something that's truly goofy uh, that people are throwing a, throwing a bunch of money at, it's not goofy anymore in, in terms that it's a dumb app or a dumb SaaS company or a stupid service, yeah? It's something that's biologically implausible that's, that's run by some fast-smiling shithead who in an ideal world would be selling used cars, right? And there's plenty of biotech companies that are like that. So the, the services that are in and around a space like that grow as well. So I would imagine that this is something that's been instituted with an idea of basically how we're going to get money out of our super users and give them what is essentially priced and treated as a commercial service. And that the vast majority of labs, even reasonably well-funded labs, are not going to participate in this. Right? It's basically, it's not for you. That is my intimation. Now, the idea of they're not proposing cutting off access um i think large apcs are far more problematic for uh removing access in general um than optional charges to make things go much much faster right um and we've already have those everyone stomachs those for years and years and years but of course, we come back to what I'm now. I've been talking about this from the perspective of like someone who has to run a research organization for money, right? But let's take it back to like the objections from uh, what you said was, I think, eight years ago, not five, which is what I said, which was wrong. Um, and what's been happening in the meantime, and it's the fact that if you create a pay to play culture, it's really against the scientific ethos in a very sort of central and important kind of way is that we don't want that to be part of the mechanics that we have for assessing something. We would wish that it was equal. We would wish that everyone gets access to the same kinds of services. Now, I understand that. I understand that absolutely, right? And you know that I think that, but two points, two points immediately arise. One, what would you say, how upset would you be if it turned out that this was only like 3% of submitted papers that were for really fancy, uh, really fancy clinical trials and uh, research that was largely funded through external organizations that were like trying to raise hundreds of millions of dollars off the back of research. And it was just those people and literally everyone else was participating in the system in exactly the same way as before. Uh, and there was no expectation that you could get that. And the fanciest labs in the world doing academic research didn't pay that money and didn't get this premium service. Would you still be as upset if it proceeded on that basis? And a lot of people would, a lot of people would say probably yes, right? Now, it immediately, the, the thing that immediately comes to mind after that is, um, <laughs> You say you want things. You say you want the systems to be different. You say you want things to be organized differently. And that all of these things are untenable and problematic and unnecessarily corporatist, etc. But as a kind of collective community, there really has been fuck all done to push back against stuff like this. We've had open access for a million years. Uh, we've had community journals for a million years. We've had preprints for a while, 
right? And the social acceptability of these things has come along with them over time. People say, well, we want, we, we want a different system. Well, it's changing really fucking slowly. What did you think was going to happen when a journal group looks at uh, a bunch of your intellectual property or the, the public's intellectual property that you send them and they own it and they own the mechanics of how it's assessed and put together and then it becomes their property? What do you think is the long-run consequence of that happening? Do you really think it's them listening to what you want? No. No, they have someone called the VP of Publishing Innovation or something like that. Some, some gummy, smiling cocksucker with teeth that he bought in a, in a polar fleece vest with one thumb up his ass, banging his head against a computer screen going, how do we do more money from the innovations from the publishing? <laughs> that motherfucker gets to just make decisions that directly affect your lives. And collectively, academia has decided to do fuck all about it over a very long period of time. So, I I get that people th- this isn't with th- this isn't in their ethos. I understand that, but you also have to understand that the vast majority and the bulk of people that you work with do not give a fuck about how you feel, and publishers also do not give a fuck about your moral strictures that are around (laughs) how information should be organized and managed. It's a fucking company and people get so mad when they behave like a company (laughs) and then they bend over for them at every possible opportunity, right? Like, do I honestly, like, do I think it should exist? No, I don't. But, I mean, how do we back into, like, have, well, oh, we've got a problem with the amount of time. I mean, this is why they did the initial experiment in the first place. I remember reading about this, yeah? Why does this, why does it exist in the first place? Why is it fast, fast track review? And people are like, oh, just review just takes too fucking long. And it was nowhere near this amount of money from memory the first time. I think it was like $500 or something. Um, because like, um, AP, APCs used to be lower. People forget that. About a thousand. Um, Oh, something, something, something like that, right? It's only worth fucking seven thousand dollars. They've got something different in mind with this, um, and the problem that is really solving is, um, holy Christ, review doesn't doesn't peer review take an awfully long time, right? And that was that was the whole thing. It's like, well, if you pay us more money, then we we can conceivably organize it better. Now, I don't know how much of that seven thousand dollars is going towards paying the reviewers. One fifty each. Yes, 158 with three reviewers, Dan, which actually makes $450, isn't it? There's a fucking weird piece of that there. But $450 out of 7,000 is how much? Well, times three, 1350 paying three reviewers. What? No, Daniel, so, like the number now, 150 times a putative three oh, reviewers is $450 total, total paid to the reviewing staff or whatever. They, right? they, on top they, of, they took you too seriously. Of, okay, okay. And the existing structure, the editor who is presumably paid to some degree is getting paid the same amount of money. Yeah. Servers still cost the same amount of money. Advertising and uh, fucking databasing and all the other services that a journal ostensibly provides, ha-ha, <laughs> it all still costs the same amount of money, right? It costs them no more, really, except for service charges to do uh, a fast-track thing versus another thing. Maybe there's a little bit more work in getting the people set up. You sure. should also expect that to be ameliorated by the fact that you're offering to pay a motherfucker. So, how much is 450 divided by 7,000? 8%. Six. Six, ish. yeah, yeah. Right. 
It's 6% of the money. Okay, so is that all going into the service stuff? Is there some other 94% of the $7,000 that's going <laughs> to do something elsewhere? Does they have 94% hidden costs on this? <laughs> and obviously, there's supposed to be a profit margin that's involved. Let's take the sort of like the, the Elsevier figure that everyone always really? quotes, which is 30, 31%. Yeah. Um, it's, everyone is always very unfair to Elsevier because I remember Wiley Blackwell being like way higher. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think <laughs> Taylor Francis is around 35 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, they they come out somewhere. I think the, the the highest one I ever saw in any period, I think, was forty one percent. Sell? I think. Um, I'd seen thirty eight. Uh, it it might have been for like one year or something like that. Um, somewhere between thirty, let's say somewhere between thirty forty percent, probably the lower end, right? So let's put that profit margin into the seven thousand dollars. It doesn't work like that, but fuck it, right? So let's chew about a third of it out. Mm-hmm. Thirty seven thousand is about twenty seven hundred dollars. So we have uh, five thousand three hundred dollars minus four hundred and fifty uh, is okay. So we've got about forty nine hundred dollars. Are we spending that forty nine hundred dollars on fucking like extra servers, extra copy editing, extra editor time, uh, extra advertising? No, they're not. Right? It does not cost that much extra money, and that's why I think it's like a whale play thing. Yeah, has to be because they're charging it because they fucking can. Yeah. Right? If everyone doesn't like that, you need to go and do something about it and not fucking whine to me. <laughs> it, it makes you think that, yeah, like, like you mentioned before, nature could do this for 20K, but I think even though they could make a lot of money from this, the backlash from scientists or from people who aren't doing this commercially would um, mm-hmm. would negate that. But one thing I thought about- Yeah, the- I agree. I, ag- I agree completely. And I think it's because um, n- nature almost is hamstrung in this respect because they're on s- such a pedestal for scientists doing science. You know? The fanciest shit in the whole wide world. Oh, I'm a special little biologist. Give me a job. I got a nature paper, right? That is f- fucking unacceptable to people because it's such a- it's such a bar. It has such a, a repre- representation that's uh, kind of aggregated behind it. It means more, right? But what I mean? What journal are we talking about in this case? Uh, I mean, I don't know. What, it's the family of. I, I don't know what journals specifically, but they're biomedical journals within. Yeah, it's some fucking bag of biomedical journals. You can't. You've read about it. And you can't even name which ones they are. Yeah. Right. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> so it's not like it's not like most famous academic journal in the whole fucking world decides to do a thing where they're actively screwing people over. It's a it's a little bit more, you know. It's like if uh, there's there's plenty of rich cocksuckers being unpleasant on the internet, but when Elon Musk does it, everyone goes ah ah. It's Elon Musk. The rules are different. Yeah, right? yeah. you can. I'm sure you can find someone with a with a tremendously weighty bank account that it's totally immoral that they have in the first place, banging on and being a dick in public. But no one's interested in that. Uh, they're all they're all uh, they're all interested in like where the party is. So. Mm. You know, I don't. I th- I think that they would they would pay reputationally um, in a way that uh, Taylor and Francis fucking whoever Malone's uh, are not going to. What I think is interesting is that most of these publishers are, uh, are publicly traded companies, so it means that a lot of their documentation, uh, their shareholder meetings, they have to be public, and it's very interesting because all this stuff is out there. And you can actually see what their intentions are, how they really think about researchers and how they're going to make profits and what threats they sort of see. And this is all out there. 
it's not secret. So you can see that they all see, you know, preprint servers as, as, as a threat because it's a way of sharing research. So um, I, th- I don't know. I don't know if they're all publicly traded. That would be, I'm that saying, would be uh, the first thing. No, I'm saying that m- many of them are. So, f- f- for instance, there, there are certain obligations for publicly traded companies like Elsevier or who's, who's their well, parent Elsevier company. Elsevier is not really a company company. Re- Relics. Re- Relics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, Elsevier they is- are certain, They are certainly a publicly traded company. Yeah. And so that there are obligations for, 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 for reporting. So we can actually- for financial s- disclosure, yes. Yeah, yeah. So we can actually see what the strategies are and we see, see what they're thinking, see, seeing what they're doing. None, none of this stuff is secret, but researchers are just sitting on their hands. And we could do this very cheaply. So even if we were to pay our, our, our reviewers- for, for, for 50 each, and there's three of them, we could post the papers on a preprint server, which is free. We could pay our reviewers uh, f- 13 $13.50. That's three reviewers times three. Let's just say there's some sort of administrative cost. Add, add, add an extra sort of 500 for for sort of putting all this thing together. We could do this for if we wanted to have really rapid review, get, get it out there for, for, get it out there in three weeks. We, we could do this very cheaply, but we're not doing that. Well, it is interesting. I mean, those oh, everything that you've just costed out, like anyone who's ever costed out anything like that is almost always wrong, right? Because there's you, generally there's there's both things that we don't understand about how that would happen and then there's also sort of hidden economies that are present that aren't really part of that. Yeah. Um but think about uh think about what PJ got uh publication costs to, uh, relatively um uh on a relatively uh, sort of open basis. I mean, I remember they're discussing their pricing models quite a lot. Mm. And the uh, certainly back in the day, I mean, I have a lifetime membership of PJ, which I now don't use, but I'm still happy they got me. Didn't you pay like a hundred um, back then, which is just insanely no, I paid, cheap. I paid I paid three hundred US dollars in Australian dollars as a grad student, so it it counted. Um, it's. You know, which is occasionally you've got to fucking, I mean, I was like, oh, I clicked the link. You're like, oh, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> look, the, 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 whole, the whole point is what people, what people don't realize about this is that you, you feel like everything needs to be done like this as it is a, a as it is a, a company. I mean, you, you're going to need a fucking bag full of like software and database engineers and shit like that. But you don't need this. Is the, the idea is that this needs to be marketed if the services just be a fucking journal because people are professionally compelled. They must go out and read this stuff. Yeah. The moment that it's databased and saved correctly, it is not something where the more people know about it, the more money that you're going to make because uh, of a service that you're selling. Not really. Um, because the vast majority of, uh, I mean, you can't really do it like a, a there's, there's, there's no big strong brand plays around the fucking journal of uh, soil engineering. <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's niche as fuck. But the whole point is you, there's things like this you don't really need to advertise. Um, because like at some point in time, people just need that fucking thing. A very small group of people very absolutely need the fucking thing and then it gets read anyway. So, I mean, the whole purpose behind the, the, the fact that an overlay journal is possible and that the uh, journal management software is there, there is open source versions. I mean, there's cheap commercial versions and there's open source versions, but you can, you can 
presumably set up yourself if you have a moderate competence in how uh, basically programming on the fucking web works in the most general sense. Um, so it is it is perfectly possible to do all these things on the on the cheap, really. But again, I mean, you have to. And I, I know I come back to this about once every fucking episode. You just have to understand how utterly out of date and utterly uninterested an enormous rump of people who do academic research for money truly are. They are not thinking about this fucking, uh, let's, let's change it all. Fuck you. It works for them. Honestly, to them, it's like the kids from the house down the road coming to the door and collecting your signatures for a petition to pave the road with stars. And you think, hey, fuck you, you 12-year-old lunatic. I drive on it. It's bitumen. It's fine. Like, oh, you don't understand it. It inspired the youth. You know, like, pointless bullshit. You know? It is cosmetic to so many, so many people. It is just not important. Now, you, this is, a, and every time, you're talking about one of the most hidebound tradition-obsessed professions full of people who clawed like fuck to get where they are and then assumed that the fact that they did that means that, one, the system makes sense, and two, they were good at it, right? This is enormous self-protective central mechanism that's at the middle of the entire profession that means that you don't get to start your revolution without an enormous amount of effort. Um, it's just so fucking hard to innovate in as a space if you're going to do a commercial thing. I mean, this at the end of the day, like, oh, give us $7,000 and we'll do it faster. It's a very fucking lazy idea, you know? Not only have we said, oh, it was tried before. Oh, it was tried a, a, a fucking time before that. There's probably ones we don't know about, Dan. There's probably journals that already do this now, but everyone forgot to be outraged. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, we'll just, we just fucking hear it. I'm sure it's a business or law or something like that. It's 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 a, it's it's going to be happening somewhere. Um, but you look. I mean, oh fuck! I'm running out of. I'm 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 running out of the the the, the energy to be animated about it. And it was like, but you also I mean, you've got also got to bear in mind like one final thing, and this is partially related to what I was saying before, but fuck it. It's very hard to shame uh, a company that has a fiduciary duty to make money into not making money by providing their core services. Like, we don't want it done like that. Well, what are you going to do? Organize a boycott? Well, I mean, that sure put Elsevier out of business. <laughs> fuck, you, remember, you remember all that from a few years ago? Never. Nothing happened. Nothing, I'm nothing. not saying don't do it. I'm not saying don't be fucking angry. I'm saying you've got to recognize and play your goddamn position here. Um, people seriously underestimate the amount of these. This is a fucking world full of, I mean, the thing I always say over and over again, and I know I'm getting partially incoherent now, but I don't give a shit. Um, the most dangerous word in academia, the most seriously fucking powerfully dangerous word is should well they should do this and having delivered this moral stricture it makes us all happy to do fuck all this should is fucking toxic people love to talk about toxicity in a variety of contexts but i don't think there's anything more toxic than fucking should because people say should 
and having having given their opinion, use it as a kind of moral license to walk away. I get to say should a little in one context, right? They should do more to uh, establish various research integrity processes that help me do my fucking work. Yeah? And I feel like that isn't just like a, a monstrously stupid thing to say simply because I've been trying to kick these people in the shins for the last five years and I've had a moderate degree of success in doing it. Wow, Dan, have I been talking for sort of 20 minutes straight because you've managed to piss me off? This is why I said I didn't want to do this topic. I knew this would happen and your grinning fucking head turns up and says we're going to do this anyway. I thought it was good. I, f- I feel, I know, I, 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 <laughs> at the same time, I feel dirty. I feel like I have to apologize, even though I meant literally all of that. And if it hurts your feelings, I'm happy. Let's talk about- Wow, let's talk about where sli- did that come from? Uh, uh, let's talk about Beanie Babies. <laughs> let's talk about something a little bit different. Um, I only found out what they were the other day. Um, this is, oh, wow, the history, like the economic history of Beanie Babies. I was reading about this the other day. What an amazing story. Can you explain for uh, people outside the US? Well, um, I, I didn't know what they were either. This hugely predates my living here or knowing anything about America or giving a shit, frankly. Uh, it was some dumb toy made by a company that was run by a gentleman who was completely off his trolley. Um, and they introduced all these sort of mechanisms of artificial scarcity and people went absolutely crazy for them and started treating them as assets. That sounds familiar to uh, something that's happening right they, now. They basically, they basically had a colossal asset bubble that was made out of these stupid collectible little fuckers. Um, then, you know, um, people, people treated them as, uh, people treated them as, uh, investments. Um, and everyone got super keen on them, and then the arse fell out of the market completely because the the entire thing was uh, was entirely it, it was it was fictionalized. But the nice thing was it was just just inside the kind of boundaries of where digital life was really a possibility for people. So there's lots of great records of this, and some of it is it's just confusing and heartbreaking and insane over a fucking toy. You know, this is this is Jibbles, the fucking fox with hydrocephaly or some shit. And, <laughs> oh, it's worth $12,000. Oh, my fucking God. I mean, this is the crazy stories about people who robbed them, sold them on the black market and used the money to buy heroin. That was <laughs> <laughs> Because that's so, that's so regular crime, you know? Bendy that's babies. so like putting, putting the VCR under your arm from 20 years ago. Yeah, this is. I, I will. I will dig this out for the show notes. It's like the economic history of being. Well, I think everyone could learn a lot. People should learn about stuff like this. Yeah. Just how fucking loopy humanity can be uh, in the recent sense. Um, I learned a great deal. I've learned more uh, about the Beanie Baby story thing um, in the last week or so. I haven't even read the primary text on this. It's just learning about it. It's like, wow, I have to read the fucking primary text because this is, uh, it's like tulip mania, but with toys. Toys, yeah, toys. Stuffed toys. Absolutely mental. Anyway, that serves as our interlude for today. Um, That's more interesting than paying the publication dynamics bullshit. Before we finish up, I I do want to quickly talk about this, um, this new fellowship that I saw pop up online um it's it's for 2022 it's it's called the new science 2022 summer fellowship and i quite like it because i i like looking at things within academia thinking if we were to invent this thing 
right now in 2022, what would it look like? How would we do journals if we all of a sudden thought we need a way to disseminate research? And these folks at New Science have done a very interesting way of how to do fellowships, which I quite like. The, um, the, the, the pay is, is, is quite good. What I, what I really like is they also, as well as the actual stipend for the researcher, there's an additional $2,000 a month for child support per child, which is great. Cause if you're, this is, this is all based in Boston. And if you are um, temporarily moving there to actually have some support for for, for child minding is is, is fantastic. But I, I really like this because it's a way that you actually get a lot of people together and you get mentorship as well. So you're able to pursue your own ideas. And I think they want to focus on more computational science type stuff. Um, I think there's also some access to, to, to wet lab, but they're more interested in, in wet lab experiments, computational stuff, and through, through theoretical work. But you, it, it feels very sort of Silicon Valley-ish, but, but in a good way, in that you get all these people together, you hang out for a couple of months, talk about all these cool ideas, but you also get mentorship from, from, from senior folks in the field. And um, look, I thought this was really interesting. And I spoke to you about this and you, you mentioned that you, you, you know a few of the people or you sort of within the same sort of circle there? Uh, yeah, Alexi, who started, I met him a couple of years ago when he was uh, in Boston. Um, they had an event here and I went. Um, it was, like, <laughs> it was the first thing I'd done after like nine months of being in the house. I think I forgot how to talk to people. Hello, <laughs> do you like a science? I like science too. Um, but George Church is one of the advisors. So is Gelman. Yeah, so. Um, and I'm just lots and lots and lots of other people involved. So I'd start trying to name them. I will either be saying names that people don't know or people I don't actually know myself uh, <laughs> so it's the that i think i think it's coming from i think it's coming from a very good place and the way that they've set it up and how they've started to think about it is it is it is categorically different to uh a lot of other things that have been tried previously it's all privately funded as far as i'm aware um and new science itself is a registered 501c3 so conceivably you could donate and save the money on your tax um i should put that link in the fucking show notes mm. um and the the structure is is really quite simple um and it's something that people have talked about a lot um it's an analog of the Oh, good. Uh, it's, 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 it's very similar to the uh, MacArthur Awards, where if you're really good at something, uh, they give you a bunch of money and they leave you the fuck alone. Um, but this, I believe, like the biomedical focus is quite strong. I think they're looking for reasonably radical ideas. And they have something built in that makes perfect sense, which is also the same thing that happens in kind of life science incubators, where I think there's a three or four month or something period where you have to generate a proof of concept of like whether or not you're wasting everyone's time. Um, and get that together on the basis of this is a short project, and if it's going to work and behave itself, then there needs to be you need to think of it in terms of having some indicant, in fuck, I've forgotten how to talk, um, that comes first before the actual like the rest of the project is deployed. And as you say, the money is 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 realistic, reasonably reasonably generous, um, and. It is like there's a lot of people who support it, who are involved, who are like they're real. They're genuine, they're genuine 
the thinkers that matter. I mean, Jesus. It's um. There's all there's all sorts. There's all sorts. Uh, I this is one of those things where I cross where I think I'm probably a little bit long in the tooth and a little bit too fucking obscure now to consider this. And obviously, I've committed pretty heavily down a different path. Um, but you know, a couple of years ago, I think I would have been just fizzing with excitement about being able to do this. Um, and I, I sincerely believe that that someone who's going to hear this, who's going to find this is a really good idea. Um, and you know, if you're there and you listen to us and you come to Boston, I'm in Boston quite a lot. We can hang out. Hey, there you six, go. Six, six, six feet apart. Um, yeah, you can come over to my house and drink my beer if you're going to you know, come uh, all the way here from overseas. And though you're listening to this shit, you already sort of know me. Um, you sort of know Dan, and no one truly knows Dan unless you're a sea creature. <laughs> um, I really, I really, it's one of those things, Dan, I really hope it works. Yeah. I really hope that the sort of end because, I mean, you remember like a million years ago, I've come back to this a few times over a period of years now. Um, one of my favorite ideas uh, is a PhD funding mechanism where the money is awarded straight to the person and there's like a, a, a moratorium against them publishing. They're literally not allowed to publish anything they do. Right? They're allowed to give it all away. They're allowed to talk about it. They're allowed to build resources. I mean, they have, probably have to write a thesis, but they're literally not allowed to publish, which means they have to pick something that's useful, not in the basis of like they're going to fucking show people. Um, and this is this is set up in such a way where it feels like it's in the same kind of tradition of radicalism, except, you know, that was me spitballing and these motherfuckers have actually gone and done it, yeah. which matters so much. So, you know, if you want to fucking whine to me about how Taylor and Francis shouldn't have 7,000 or someone else's dollars, then, you know- um, this is what's possible. This is what happens when you go out and you work really hard and coalition build. It's like cool, cool stuff, different stuff is actually possible. Um, and you know, some people are know it and are doing, doing something about it. My hope would be that even if this is successful, which I hope it is, that, uh, publicly funded mechanisms can also look at this way of doing things going, I want to get a part of that. Uh, there is. I don't think they will for a very long time because they're 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 hidebound to a degree that I think you're not appreciating when you say that. Um, even even the sort of like especially like in Australia, very definitely, but um, to a lesser degree, but still in the the, the NIH, um, the whole sort of oh, it's a it's a novel proposal. It's for someone young. They're fifty. It's for something risky. It isn't. Um, it's it's not. It's, I mean, everything's everything's named wrong, you know. Early, <laughs> ca- uh, early career awards, early 50. career awards are going to going to people who's like six years older than me. I thought it was know? crazy. I saw a stat that for the NIH, less than two percent of people that l- less than two percent of awards for for projects uh, go to people under the age of thirty five. That is that is mental. How uh, for, for 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 structural grants? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, right. Um, how not, is not anyone Dacros or K99s or anything like that? But like actual actual program grants. Yeah. Like, okay, this is a program of research. We'll fund this for five years. We'll renew it. Blah blah blah. Right. Yeah. Two percent under the age of thirty-five. Yeah. I would still be even if I was still in the academicals doing academical things, Daniel. I would still be 
entirely too young and, exper and inexperienced to be able to run whatever. Amazing. It's just crazy because yeah. uh, I saw some commentary on this that there's like, well, we're going to be losing some really brilliant ideas because people are going to go, well, no one's going to fund what I'm doing. No shit. Yeah. Oh. Like, that's, like, that's new. Did someone just come up with that fucking brilliant revelation recently? Oh, oh, I'm not sure I can take the intellectual speed of this conversation. Holy fuck. It's your problem. Like, like how, how dare you be young and have good ideas? The fact that young people cannot have good ideas, bloody ju judge the work on its own merits rather than how old this person is. It's, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's crazy. Well, it's, 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 um, well, yes, that is, that is a part of it. Um, but I feel like you know, we're going to talk about this. Um, the central mechanic of this is reasonably straightforward. And it's the fact that as you squish everything towards the top end, is everyone who is writing and saying, give us cash, has a, uh, a, a tremendous crowding at the top end of what's actually possible. When you see these grants, and like uh, 8% of them get funded, but in an ideal world, we would fund 65% of them. But, you know, it's like it's normative, the mean, right? Well, actually, the modal. The modal grant is something that is good enough to be funded that isn't fucking funded. Yeah, exactly. That's fucking crazy, right? Okay, that system's completely insane, right? So the problem is- the fact that one of the buckets is like how many resources, how much experience do you have in order to be able to address the bold and interesting question in the first place? And you just don't fucking have that when you're 35 you know, compared to the way you have it when you're 55. You know? This is, oh, we've got all these resources and all these collaborators and I've done all this stuff and I've got all this experience and fucking <clears throat> the work is half done already, but I'm not supposed to admit yeah. that. So I know it'll I, so I know it'll work. But if you're gonna have the work half done already. Fuck, you already need to have pre-existing grants to be able to fucking half do the work before it turns up and it does the next thing. So you, this it, it's, it's perpetuated by the fact that it's not about the idea. It's about everything that else surrounds the idea. And it's so fucking crowded that if that makes a little bit of a difference, then it is very likely to be a crucial factor. Because, you know, look, the vast majority of things are scored. Grants are scored in buckets. Like the, the originality of the idea and like how fucking necessary is it, but also like what resources do you have in the next category followed by, um, you know, what are you going to do for the community at large and, and you, you know, how, how nice are you to ducklings and all this other shit. And if you fill out all of those, there are things where it very, 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 very definitely makes a gigantic difference. What money you've had previously, how long you've been doing the work uh, and how much time have you had to be able to organize around your ideas. So it means a very different thing for a 35-year-old researcher uh, with a job who is applying in a grant scheme uh, to have a groundbreaking, fascinating whatever uh, than it does for someone who's been in the field for 20 years applying for the same thing through an equivalent mechanism. Um, if you, This is something that I fully recommend everyone who can code do this. Take a grant scheme where the numbers are properly reported doesn't matter what it is. Um, the European Research Council ones would be good, uh, but anyone because they're quite explicit about everything they report. Um, but any anyone would be anyone is okay. And then take the take the uh, the number of grants as variable A, and the number that are awarded as variable B. So B divided by A is the success rate, and they set the success rate about, I don't know, 10%, 12%, whatever the fuck the horrible grant lines are now, 
less than that in some places, but for, for not for specialty mechanisms, which is fucking dire. I don't know how you all don't go crazy. Now, after that, assign like a merit score uh, of assign a merit score of like ninety percent of the whole value of grant. Doesn't matter what it's up to. Um, assign a merit score of about ninety. Uh, 90% of the grant and then include a luck thing that's 10% or even less 5% right and then put everything on put everything on a uh, a curve just assign things uh, it's assigned the luck variable completely at random yeah like random fucking open brackets whatever and if you do that for enough entries um, and you set the parameters up the way the grants are set up, what you realize is every single one of your accepted grants that gets put into the B category, because you obviously you add the scores up and the, the, the luck plus the merit, and you add them up and they're particularly high, you'll notice very quickly that the ones that are selected just like by, by mathematical definition, by, the, the simu- by definition, by the simulation, every single one of those has got a luck score that's fucking booking it. Yeah? And then make it even worse. Use a use a distribution that starts at about fifty uh, percent and then slopes up and then tails off a little bit towards the top. So I suppose you want to um, I suppose you want to kind of skew and truncate a normal distribution where everything's crowded at the top. Um, and then set a really high bar for merit scores, and then assign all of those at random again. And what you'll notice is that again. Many, 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 many meretricious applications that don't have the fucking luck value are not making it over the the bar. The bar that you set, of course, by taking all of these scores and then essentially assigning a cutoff based on the proportion of B over A. I felt that was inherent, but now I've said it as well. If you fuck around with things like this just for a little while, you realize that the oversubscription of these mechanisms is alarming to actually play around with. I did this years ago because I had the 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 I had the very obvious realization that if you write a certain amount of grants and you are successful in a certain amount of grants, there's a point where there's a point where individual changes in percentages mean a lot. Like the difference between 20% successful and 18% successful is not much. The difference between 10% successful and 8% successful is fucking lots. If you think about it in terms of like individual applications, because you're talking about the inverse of these numbers. And so something like, like going from like 8% to 7% is like the amount of normative applications that you'd have to prepare, the amount of things that you'd have to apply for is an actual real difference in a way that 18% to 20% isn't. And the problem is we're up against that inverse curve. We're up against that inverse curve now with all of these applications. And it's gone from a point where it was sort of doable to a point where it really is if you work super hard, all you've given yourself by definition is the opportunity to potentially be lucky. Yeah, I just came into recording today and thought, I might as well just depress the fuck out of everyone. Just kill, you know? just kill the mood. 
Travis, yeah, it's, just, no, it's just true though. Bring, bring, bring everyone down. Just this, knock everyone off the pedestal. They're not even on. <laughs> here we go. This, this, this should be mandatory listening for for all. I for, suck. All, all, you, all you first. You should start a podcast with a nice person. All, all I just <laughs> fucked all this up. I just talked a bunch of shit today. I'm not even. I'm not even sure who's going to be bothered by all of it. Hopefully, everyone. I hope so. Lucky. Yeah. Oh dear. Let's um, wrap it up on that cheery note. Sorry. Thank you again for killing the mood, James. But no, this is- Oh, this- <laughs> you're welcome. I haven't killed your mood. You're still smiling like you don't have a fucking central nervous system. <laughs> James, thanks uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, we've, got, we've, got a cu- we've got a couple of new- <laughs> we, we, What really- um. I love getting the email notifications when we get new patrons. That's that's always really really lovely to see um, from from that's around from around the world. Um, Australia, it's always so it's, it's always nice. Europe, the US. Um, so yeah, it's it's great that we're getting new patrons who are enjoying. I think I think we've hit 40, 42 or something in the forties bonus episodes. So there's a lot of a lot of bonus stuff out there. Yeah, and if you yeah if you think that this is. Uh reasonably unconstrained and unpleasant you'd you'd be right i mean yeah. you're right yeah. but the bonus episodes that are not publicly available is where the genuinely unvarnished opinions are yeah, yeah. so we're, we're extra unprofessional and can, extra uninformed some people i've i have had extra unprofessional and incredibly uninformed i have some had some people tell me daniel i haven't agreed to be named so there's no point I know who the fuck they are. They're probably listening. That they enjoy the bonus episodes best of all, simply because um, they they feel like it's what we really think. And I think the thing that you'll be surprised by if you don't listen to the Patreon episodes um, is what Dan's really like when he's not doing his radio voice. I'm pretty fucking similar, yeah. honestly, <laughs> and he is way worse. It's yeah. I, I I think that I think there is a bit of a there's a bit of a difference, but you have to find out. I think <laughs> I think we have a, a bit of a difference. A bit of a difference. I think Go on. I think we have put a few of the the bonus episode public. So if if you want to check out what they're really like, you can you can have a listen to them. Um, a few of the more sanitary ones, yeah. certainly. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to the show. We'll be back again soon uh, for another episode in January for Everything Hurts. See you later. <laughs>